2: Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, November 21st. We are presented, as always, by FanDuel.com. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha, uh, who always joins me on Tuesdays. First of all, it's Larry Sanders' birthday. Oh, man. The office has just been a party out there, celebrating all day. Happy 29th to Larry Sanders. And happy 38th birthday to Strohmile Swift. I would not oh, wow. have guessed that Miles Swift was 38 years old um i think i've told this story on the pod before but I, I don't think i've ever told you i'm actually in possession of a stroll mile swift game used headband i've seen that on your profile oh your that's writer, right it's it in my writer bio your writer stage. bio yeah. that, that should probably be changed that's been in there for like four <laughs> years um but yeah that's uh stroll mile swift for that reason was arguably my favorite player for about three months uh, until i realized that um his upside uh, as an overall player, it was maybe not as high as I thought it was. When did you acquire that? Like when and how? Did you just add a um, NBA game. So yeah. So every year, I don't know if they still do this. I don't think they do, especially now that the preseason is shortened. Uh, so I'm from the Green Bay area, small town right near Green Bay, and every year the Bucks would play. A preseason game at the rush center in green bay and i would always go because the tickets were cheap and you know my parents were more than happy to drive me 10 minutes to a bucks game as opposed to two hours and i don't know how but we got one year we got really good seats and they were playing the grizzlies and i i just I, i'm in like sixth seventh grade so i was full on like trying to talk to all the players basically yeah. heckling the players like looking back not you know i'm actually kind of glad that my dad put up with this but after the game i just tapped miles Swift on the shoulder, asked if I could have his headband. He, without looking, took it off his head, handed it back to me, and that was that. <laughs> um, but I remember that in that game, Shane Battier was on the Grizzlies at the at that point. He wasn't playing. He must have been hurt, or maybe he was just being rested. And at some point during the game, like while the game was going on, he got up, took his shoes off, and just launched him into the crowd and, like, hit somebody <laughs> with, him, with the second <laughs> one. Like, the first one, you know, people were kind of expecting. The second one went a little too high smacked an unsuspecting viewer at the Rush Center. Uh, So yeah, not really a very spectacular story as far as how I acquired the headband. Uh, But as I think it also says in my writer bio, I went on to wear said headband during my seventh grade basketball season. Did not match my school colors, but I kind of, I think I thought there was some sort of like like Mike situation going on. That's very possible. Calvin Cambridge puts the shoes on. I put on the Miles Swift headband.
1: Did you average nine and five? like stromile did in
2: memphis i mean to to be totally honest i might have okay you know i mean seventh grade it was it's kind of a free for all it's a game yeah i mean my per 36 in seventh grade was off the charts um but no i mean that's probably as much as we should talk about stromile swift we actually have quite a bit to get to today um and i want to start with kyrie irving who scored 47 points last night uh needed overtime to do it so you know not it doesn't count impressive. at all yeah yeah I and mean, kind of uh just throw that one out the window yeah 16 of 22 shooting missed six shots um you know i think obviously that's something he needs to improve upon only 10 of 11 at the free throw line <laughs> uh five of seven from three but no i mean this was i, I don't care if, if you need overtime or not he only played 39 minutes it's really not right. that it's really not that much in the grand scheme of things 47 on 22 shots um I don't. I don't even want to ask you about this game specifically. I mean, probably probably shouldn't have come down to this. This is the Mavericks, although they've played a little bit better of late. Yeah. Um. But I was asked on the radio this morning. You know, where does Kyrie Irving rank as an overall offensive player? And you know, first I said, you know, for sure top ten. And then I'm like, you know, he's got to be top five, right? He might even be if you're just talking pure offense. Um, whatever that means to you individually, is he a top five guy?
1: I think so. I mean, if you're looking at, like, someone you can just give the ball to, and if you're trusting someone, it doesn't even have to be a clutch situation. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're just talking scores, like, you give someone the ball, where are the chances they end up with points? I think it's fair to put them in that top five because the other people in that category, I mean, Giannis, um, LeBron, uh, I would still put in that category. See, I think he's a better offensive
2: player than Giannis.
1: Uh, he's more... He can do more things. Giannis is still pretty, as weird as it sounds, Giannis is still a little Mm one-dimensional. He's either posting up and doing that fag away or kind of driving to the basket. He gets a lot of his points in transition. Yeah, Kyrie could score like 35 points off iso plays.
2: Right. Is he the best one-on-one player in the NBA? Is that fair? I don't even know that it's really all that close right now.
1: I don't even know who else would be in that conversation.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess when you start getting into like overall offense, you have to start talking about passing. just start talking about finishing at the rim and that's where guys like Giannis you know come into play and
1: Harden might be in that iso yeah he I would I I think Kyrie and and Harden for me Mm -hmm. would be the top two
2: yeah I think I think that's fair I think those two are certainly the best off the dribble Harden has the advantage in that one he's three inches taller and he probably has how many pounds on Kyrie 20 30 at least I assume so I mean Harden's a big guy he's I mean, he's become, I think, even more like barrel chested over the last couple of <laughs> years. Um, and he so he kind of has the ability to get into the lane and absorb contact, I think, better than Kyrie can. Oh, yeah. Kyrie is more elusive in the air, though. Like there is not a better finisher, you know, going if, if you're going to go into a a guy who's eight inches taller than you and, you know, not necessarily draw the foul, but find a way to finish the shot. Uh, Kyrie is certainly second to none in that regard.
1: Yeah, I agree. Maybe put Steph Curry in that conversation, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But. I don't know. I don't know if I would really put Steph over Kyrie Irving in a one-on-one
2: situation. It's tough to say with Steph because he hasn't had to do it quite as much, yeah. I guess. You know, if like if if you could somehow adjust this on like a you know, per possession basis, you know, Kyrie we just haven't ha- like it's been years since Steph has had to like really take over like Kyrie has so far this season. And and I think it's kind of easy to to sleep on him then due to that. Um but i mean Kyrie's been incredible and, and the the interesting thing with him is as the Celtics are 16 and 2 now 16 sure. in a row after last night numbers wise he's actually been worse across the board than last season you know scoring is down a couple points per game he's taking fewer shots per game he's making fewer threes per game assists are about the same if not slightly lower um so i think there's kind of this belief that Kyrie is you know carrying the Celtics which in some regards, he is. I mean, clearly they're not winning 16 games in a row if Kyrie's not out there. But at the same time, I think a lot of credit is give, you know should be given to Jalen Brown, and maybe even more credit should be given to Jason Tatum because you know these 18 games that they played are the first 18 NBA games of his career.
1: Yeah, and Kyrie, he's actually he's been playing fewer minutes too, mm-hmm. which true. maybe has helped his defense a little bit. Maybe I mean because per 36, his numbers are almost identical. Right, like they're scarily similar. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to the role players for Boston, who really just no one expected to be as good as they are. Um, and I hear, you know, like Wagas, Gorgon, Hayward was there, and I, you know, th- that would be incredible. And uh, yeah, next thought... season, next season will be, you know, even more so. But I'm sure, I'm still, I still think, I mean, they're going to regress at some point. The question is that how, just how hard will they regress, mm-hmm. and how are will these rookies hit? You know, there's that rookie wall. You get through like halfway through the season and these guys aren't used to playing 82 games at 30 minutes a game. Um, So I think maybe towards the middle and the tail end of the season, it'll be tough. And I think the playoffs will be tough. Um, But right now they do. I mean, they look unstoppable Mm -hmm. despite a couple of close games here.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just such a diverse team. You know, you have this dynamic scoring guard in Kyrie. You have Jalen Brown, who offensively is so much better than he was last year and is is a lockdown defender at his size. Tatum, who you're, I mean, a guy who honestly was kind of like a shooting guard throughout his high school career and operated like a shooting guard in a lot of ways at Duke. You're just throwing him in at the four. That's been fine. I mean, him, I don't know if you watched the end of that game last night against Dallas, but some of the rebounds that he was like putting down were unbelievable like the rebounding numbers aren't all that crazy you know i mean he's he's had a lot of games of just four or five six boards which is fine um but the contested rebounds he was bringing down i mean he's he's one of the more impressive rookies that i can remember honestly in recent memory in terms of just being as nba ready as he is to contribute night in and night out i mean we're six straight games double digit scoring which in the grand scheme of things isn't all that much of an accomplishment but for a rookie that's pretty rare, um, and yeah, this team, like you said, they they look unstoppable right now. At the same time, I still don't think Cleveland fears them. I still think Washington no. would take, you know, would would like their chances against them. I still think Toronto would see that as like a fifty fifty series, uh, and and that's how it is really in in all of sports. You need to prove it at the playoff level before these other contending teams really start taking you seriously.
1: Yeah, and the the I'm actually looked up. We were talking earlier about Kyrie's ISO, uh, Kyrie is like this looks like eighth or ninth in isolation points per possession at Mm 3.6 i'd curry is not i don't see him on this list um but like you said he doesn't do it that much hargan is leading um like four points above lebron who's second which i didn't expect lebron to be second um but yeah i mean so i mean the raptors are a team that has shown like better depth than i thought they had recently especially like norman powell's gone out they have adjusted fine with cj miles uh og is it Ananobi? ananobi 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 um pascal siakam uh has been playing well the wizards their starting five is like one of the best in the league yep. and they've been playing well uber has been, been a huge leap for them this year after he played well in the playoffs That's last wave year
2: poppy to you
1: wave poppy i apologize mr wave poppy mm-hmm. um but no, yeah, and the, the the Cavs just have a lot of depth, so it's there's still a lot to be determined here, but a lot of these teams, like those teams should be very confident that they can beat the Celtics if mm-hmm. it comes down to a playoff series.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be really interesting. I think even with Cleveland now winning what 5 of 6, I think after yeah. last night just absolutely annihilating Detroit. Um, you know they're kind of back in some ways, back at least in the in the thick of it. You know they well they're fourth in the East now, right? Right, and I also think we forgot. Like not long ago, this team was what were they like nineteen and twenty two years ago? You know, coming yes. coming into the All Star game when when LeBron took his little break and like, you know, in the grand, I think every year we have the same conversation and people like ourselves and other you know analysts, podcasters, whoever say we shouldn't worry about this we shouldn't worry about it and yet we talk about it as if we're worried and then they have games like they did last night where you know that's a good Pistons team uh, at least yeah. it has been that they absolutely dismantled from start to finish um let's talk about the MVP real quickly uh so we're about a, f- a quarter of the way through the season a little there, under yeah. a quarter about a fifth of the way through the season and it's uh, I guess it's the usual suspects that you would think or uh, that, that we predicted at the beginning of the season. You know, I think Giannis is still right there. Yep. Harden's right there. Curry, LeBron, Kyrie. Durant has to be in there just because he's, you know, just so he's good. putting up awesome numbers, as always, and the Warriors are probably going to finish with the first or second best record in the league. Um, but I, I think right now number one has to be James Harden. And I kind of have to eat crow on that a little bit because before the year I had said – i i'm willing to cross harden off there's no way that he's going to be able to replicate what he did last season you know he's going to have to top it if he wants to get those votes and he put together this insane season last year and it wasn't enough i just couldn't see him doing it again and here we are 17 games in leading the league in scoring leading the league in assists five rebounds almost two steals um shooting 40 percent from three i mean he has been the complete offense for a team that was, you know, probably going to rely quite a bit on Chris Paul, and Chris Paul has played a total of like two and a half games at this point.
1: Right. And I think that I also was with you as far as not thinking Harden would really be in the discussion because of Chris Paul joining the team. I don't know. I think maybe we kind of got like. W- he averaged 8.1 rebounds per game this year and this is the same thing with Russell Westbrook. I don't those rebounds I don't care about them. Like they don't matter to me.
2: Rebounding in the NBA for a guard. Especially well that and like defensive rebounding is it's just like where does it bounce? Exactly.
1: Know? And like are your teammates boxing out? Are you the one running for the rebound? Mm-hmm. So if we just completely, you know, ignored his rebounds, yeah, I mean his his assists are a little bit down but his scoring's a little bit up. He's just being more efficient like everyone really th- I mean everyone thought he would be more efficient. Um, with Chris Paul getting there it's the same thing with people you know uh, assumed Russell Westbrook wouldn't be an amazing candidate for MVP because he would lose a huge number of his counting stats but he could gain efficiency and no one knows really how to balance that out um, when we're talking about things that early but I mean yeah Harden's the you know right now um, Warriors and the Rockets are at the top of the West and I don't think there's any doubt that the the Warriors have more on paper talent and are a deeper team, but Harden is a huge driving force in, in what's making the Rockets succeed. And they've, I mean, we, you know, they've got, they made some good off-season acquisitions too. Like they, they held on to PJ Tucker. Um, they grabbed Bob Mute. Clint Capella has been playing better, like better than DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. I, I was comparing their numbers the other day, and maybe that's a lot of that's due to, you know, I, I mean, Chris Paul is now on the Rockets. Mm-hmm. But um, they're getting a lot of support as well.
2: Yeah, I'm looking. Basketball Reference has a tool, um, an MVP award tracker that it doesn't show what the criteria is. So I'm, I'm a little bit s- suspicious here. But <laughs> it, it says that it ranks the candidates based on a model built using previous voting results. So takes into account wins, takes into account individual numbers, obviously. And that model says that James Harden is the leader by a huge margin right now. He's 73% probability to win. The next highest is Steph at seven point six percent, then LeBron, then Kyrie, then KD. Number ten, Clint Capella, shows up on that list. Yeah. So that, that I mean that just shows you the type of efficient season uh, that he's having, and certainly being on a thirteen and four team helps. Um, my question is, how many games do the Bucks have to win for Giannis to be a legitimate legitimate candidate? The numbers are going to be there. That's clear. Were the Bucks a f- well, I think they have to
1: at least match or exceed their seeding from last season, playoff seeding. Okay, were they so five last, or six? Last matches? year they were six. So I think if they, I think if they got four, that would that would really put them in the conversation, because then you because most people assume the Bucks are fifth. Like you have Cleveland, mm-hmm. the Cavs, or sorry, Cleveland, the Celtics, uh, Raptors, and Wizards, and then everyone's kind of like the Bucks. So if they were to able to jump one of those teams, it's hard not to say that Youngest okay. was a huge factor in that, and like maybe the Bledsoe trade right. has some implications on that, and Bledsoe could make Youngest better. But right now the Bucks are they're four and two since the uh, since the Bledsoe trade, a couple of like bad like not great losses.
2: Last night was not good, no. and I didn't watch any of the games Saturday, but the final I mean what they, they lost by almost forty in Dallas.
1: Yeah, um, it was one of those situations. I think I coming into the game someone had like one of the coaches of the bucks mentioned like well dallas's second and field goal attempts they just miss and of course the one game that they hit them all is you yeah, know, against the bucks um but yeah i mean youngest, i think i think if the bucks get like the four seed you have to seriously think about youngest because mm-hmm. his numbers on both sides of the floor are there um so which, you think it's more
2: about seeding than team wins um, I and mean, obviously, those go somewhat hand in hand.
1: I think it is more about seeding because you're mostly playing like <coughs> other teams in your conference, and especially in the East, there's such like a, a hierarchy mm-hmm. that total wins kind of take a backseat to like right. usurping another one of those teams.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. So Russ won it last year with 47 wins for OKC. The more you look back, though, it's best player on you know one of the. Three or four best teams in the league: Steph, Durant, LeBron, Derrick Rose's Bulls team won sixty-two games the year he was the MVP, which I did not remember them winning I that many. Did not remember
3: winning that LeBron's many. Lebron's
2: Cleveland teams, you know, at the end of that run, were awesome regular season teams. Dirk's, I mean, when Dirk won it in, in 07, that Mavs team won sixty-seven games. So, I mean, I still think that Hargan.
1: I mean, I'm I was. I thought Hagen should Sugar won it last year. I'm one of those mm-hmm. people, but that was also that was also because they came into the year. If you look at those like predictions, they people were like, "This team's like an eighth seed." Yeah, like people, th- and then all of a sudden, like they play really well, and mm-hmm. then Westbrook is getting credit for taking this team out of right. The dumpster when Harden basically took the team out of lottery purgatory, yeah. and playoff purgatory. Well, It seemed
2: like everybody split the credit between D'Antoni and Harden, which is probably That's fair. True. That but is if, fair. But if you listen to Daryl Morey, who went on a number of podcasts, basically campaigning here he and did. there for Harden by the by the end of the season, I mean he he wasn't throwing D'Antoni under the bus by any means, but he was like, no, man, even Michael will tell you this, like it's James Harden is the reason we're doing this. D- D'Antoni is not going to sit there and say, yeah, it's my offense. Like, he's, no, it's it's James Harden, and yeah. no, I think that I think that's a good way of framing it with Russ. Um, I mean, it. I wasn't like, a, were you upset when Russ won it? I wasn't Did upset. It really matter. No. no, I mean, it's just it's a case of two guys having MVP years that would win the award. You know, ninety yeah. out of the last. I guess there haven't even been a hundred MVPs in the history of the NBA. <laughs> um, I, that Curry, Curry and Durant. I think the Warriors have to win like seventy games for them to be considered. Especially if Harden keeps this up, because if the Rockets win. 64 games and the Bucks win 45 I think you know a difference of that many wins tips it in favor of Harden Mm -hmm. and the Cavs are looking like closer to a 50 win team than than a 60 win team yeah that might be generous and yeah LeBron's
1: just doing the same thing he's Mm -hmm. always done like his his numbers aren't really any better than they have been over the last few seasons so it would take a huge like unless the Cavs Mm -hmm. go on some insane winning streak it's right I don't think he's gonna
2: win it And that, I mean, that says more about LeBron's consistency than anything else, where it's like, oh, they're not any better than they were the last few years (laughs) when he's averaged 27, (laughs) eight and seven. I, I looked this up last night. So LeBron played 27 minutes in that blowout win. They were up by almost 40 in the third quarter uh how many times do you think he has played 27 minutes or fewer in his entire career playoffs and regular season
1: did you tweet about this because i think i saw you did was it 16
2: 16 isn't that insane i remembered
1: it yeah that isn't you would think you would think at some point in his career they would just play him and rest it like a blowout they would just be like this is easily over in the first quarter let's
2: right and i looked it up for curry and durant and like they're both like curry's played few, 27 minutes or fewer like 70 times yeah. Durant was like 50 plus times and like <laughs> Durant like last year alone had it like nine times um and then people tweeted back at me like oh you're not counting rest days I Was like yeah yeah I'm not counting rest days but think about this like how many guys play fewer than 27 minutes or wherever you want to draw the arbitrary line like this means like LeBron has never even been in severe enough foul trouble that they had to sit him out that long like 27 minutes no. is a, you know not that it's not that low of a of a number. So one of the things LeBron is king at is not fouling people. Yes. <laughs> didn't he when what year was that when he went? Did he go like seven games without picking up a foul? I think Something so. Something like that. And yeah. then it then it, it turned from while that was impressive to like ah uh, the refs are colluding in favor of LeBron. <laughs> it was like I, I guess kind of. He he does get a lot of calls, I will admit that. Right. Um, okay, what do we have here? The Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers are five and
1: eleven which is a, I we are only a quarter through the season, basically, but that's a really big hole to have to dig yourself they
2: out of. They were 4-0 at one point, right?
1: I think so, and then Teodosic got hurt, mm, Beverly well, got yeah. hurt. Well, yeah, but – and Gallo. The thing is they constructed – the problem with this team that I always had is people are like, well, we don't know what to think of the Clippers. They could be a 500 team. It's like, well, they could be a 500 team if no one gets hurt because they don't really have a bench. And now we're seeing what happens if, like mm-hmm. – um. You know, I mean, two starting guards, that's significant, but I think a lot of us thought that Blake Griffin could, like, carry, you know, keep the team 500, even
2: in the face of some injuries. And there's a limit to what he can do. Blake's been good. I mean, the per game numbers look really good, but, you know, 41% shooting for a power forward. And granted, he's not taking a lot of, like, a ton of attempts at the rim. Um, 35% Know, 35% from three, not ideal from a guy who's taking six a game. Um, so I think, yeah. I mean, so clearly that's been an issue. But like you said, the injuries, I mean, it's not like Tia Dosich was playing 30 minutes a night. But the drop-off from Tia Dosich to <laughs> Sendarius Thornwell slash Jawan Evans, like two guys that I like a lot, two, I think, promising rookies, there's a big difference Patrick Beverly's missed five games Gallinari's been out for two and a half weeks um they're throwing out Austin Rivers and right Lou Williams which
1: Lou Williams that's fine but neither yeah. of those guys are like point guards no, who are no. initiating real offense
2: right and even Beverly Beverly to some degree not a true point guard you know right. more of a defensive guy who can play point guard so I think the the lack of and going from Chris Paul to this situation too is another it's such a huge drop off yeah and we're kind of seeing like I I don't
1: know I DeAndre Jordan, as I thought might happen um is not playing particularly well. his rebounds are fine, only one block a game though he's shooting sixty like he's only shooting quote unquote sixty five percent but he's been over seventy percent the last three right. seasons um it's i like they try they try with the post hooks he just bobbles them and they don't go anywhere so I don't know. I don't really know what to do. I don't really know what to think or do. If I if I was in charge of Clippers, I would have no idea mm-hmm. how to like move forward other than trying to
2: find like different free agents at some point. Yeah. I I mean I think I think we have to give them in some ways the benefit of the doubt because of the injuries, but on the same token, they've lost nine games in a row. You know. Like they have. At, yeah. At some point, you know, it's not like it's not like Blake DeAndre and Patrick Beverly have missed all those games. You know, like you're missing. Granted, valuable bench pieces, but not, not enough in terms of superstar talent that you should lose nine games in a row no matter who you're playing against. I mean, they got absolutely smacked around by the Knicks last night. And lose, Charlotte like, before yeah. that. Right, exactly. The nice thing is, though, I guess if you want to look ahead, next five games are Atlanta, Sacramento, the Lakers, um, Utah, and Dallas. So those are five extremely winnable games, given where those teams are right now.
1: Yeah, and so if you can manage to win four of those five or even let's say they let's say for I I doubt it, but let's say they win five in a row, they're they're back. They're basically at 500. Yeah. But then after that, you know, I don't. It's I don't know if if it's a Doc Rivers thing, I don't know if it's entirely the injuries. It might be some like that's, you know, it kind of cop out like it's a combination of everything,
2: but I think it is, you know. I mean, <laughs> do you Well, okay, so now that we're you know, in the context of this nine-game losing streak, do you think they're looking back like, man? I kind of wish we would ha- we had Chris Paul right now. See, yeah, I.
1: If they, that's interesting. Like, would they have even bothered to do the trade? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if we, oh, we could have one last run with this guy and then lose him for nothing. Right. Um, and then just try to sign people to make this work. I think they may have kept him because yeah. I mean, they got an exchange, like, Beverly, they got some like decent pieces, right. but they don't even like play Sam Decker. Yeah, that's um, odd to me. It is odd to me. Like, Wesley Johnson's just getting... Yeah,
2: like, we're we're back in the mode of, like, Wes Johnson's playing 25 minutes a night now, which is not conducive to winning.
1: No. And I don't remember exactly what picks they got. I think they were decent. Um, I mean... I, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I, it's tough, though, because, I mean, at the same time, Blake and DeAndre are basically max players, and they've signed for max money. And mm-hmm. um, if you're convinced those two guys should stay on the team together, then it's they're both really like unique players mm-hmm. i don't really know how to build like blake's almost plays like a small forward now in some respects um dj has just turned into like a, he's just a really good like he's just great rebounding and shot blocking yeah. player but i thought he would maybe be more than that at some point
2: I, th- I well i think if anything this is showing that if those two guys are your best players by a pretty good margin you're not going to be that good no. of a team you know deandre being your third guy and blake being your second guy you know, then you might have a fifty-five win team, yeah. as we saw. Um, I forget where it was if, if I read this or heard this, um, but someone someone was saying recently, like watching Blake Griffin, every single basket he gets, he has to work unbelievably hard. To he get. does, and that's so true. Like you watch him, and it's he kind of does that like Tasmanian Devil spin move <laughs> into guys, and like you're, well, it's, it's like th- h- people are looking around like this is clearly a travel. The ball's on the <laughs> ground, picks it up, puts it in. You know, he's got those short
1: arms, so he, he can't, does. He yeah. can't like do he. Like he can't do those like just kinda like sky hooks almost or mm-hmm. just like reach over people. So he's like really trying to like bruise yeah. people. He always thinks he's getting fouled. It's
2: almost LeBron like in some ways, where yeah. we've talked about this. Like LeBron has completely lost the ability to dribble smoothly. Like when you watch him on the <laughs> perimeter try to break someone down, it's he he still handles the ball fairly well, but he's not he's not snaking around guys. He's you know, it's just very much a power based game and yeah. that's kinda where Blake is right now. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it. it's interesting. We'll see where they go. Uh, I'm not out on the Clippers quite yet. I mean, out I'm of, certainly out. out on them as any sort of real contender, but not as, a, not as a playoff team. We'll see once they get healthy. Let's take a quick break so I can talk to the listeners about FanDuel. Basketball is back, which means FanDuel is back. It's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day. That means no busted seasons. FanDuel offers something for everyone. Tons of contests to choose from starting at just $1.00. All you have to do is pick a contest, select your team, and watch your score in real time. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, you can sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. That'll get you a free six-month Rotowire subscription, again, with that first deposit on FanDuel. All you have to do, visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Uh, other teams that are not doing well, the Utah jazz have, they were, they were slumping before Rudy Gobert got hurt, but things have gotten, um, worse since then. <laughs> and really all they have going for them right now is like, Hey, Donovan Mitchell, it's another big night. You really know, good player. 20, yeah, 20, 20, points. But they, they blew the doors off Orlando over the weekend They did. on Saturday. They beat Orlando by 40 and then you come back and, and lose in Philly last night by, by 25, uh they i mean like like la they've lost what eight of their last 10 uh and you know very quickly are now 7-11 after a pretty encouraging start where they had some big wins
1: yeah it's it's very apparent like how important rudy gobert is just for that like even on offense i think that's kind of underrated like he's he's a great offensive rebounder he's an ideal pick and roll guy because he can catch any lob that you throw him um he's pretty smooth around the basket It's just I think we're like a lot of people thought that and like with good reason that this team would be a nice like a very good like team of guys who no one, you know, maybe Rodney Hood would be the guy who steps up and averages 20, but that this team would be really balanced and they would succeed through that. It's it's at that point where it feels like if only one of those guys, like if one of those guys misses, it just it kind of just all falls apart. And Rubio has like not. He's still not playing well. No, he is not. Um, and so, I think we I think we talked about that last podcast too. He's still not playing well. Um, I mean, it has got to the point
2: where I think people wanted them to bench Ricky Rubio.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's averaging. I mean, if you know, if if you throw the name Ricky Rubio out the window, and you're like, hey, this guy averages thirteen and five, and he shoots thirty eight percent, would you why yeah. is this guy in the court? Exactly. So, I mean, one point eight steals. That's nice. But it, does the rest of it make up three point six turnovers a game too? Yeah, so he
2: just hasn't been himself. I mean, last ten games he's averaging three and a half assists a game.
1: Yeah, that's
2: not Ricky Rubio. It's not
1: Ricky Rubio, and I like to me, he's still one of those players who should be playing in a up tempo offense. And he's, I mean, they got him because they tra- they traded for him, and so you just right. do that. But he's one of those guys who I feel like would be so much better on like the Suns or the Nets or yeah. a a team like that. But yeah, I mean. The The Jazz are just not getting a lot of support. Like, Joe Ingles is really, like, uh, like I'm not saying Joe Ingles. I thought he was going to have a
2: breakout year. But, like, 10 points a game, you probably want more than that. He's shooting it well. Just the volume hasn't quite. I mean, he's basically been a three-point specialist. I mean, he's making he two and a half threes a game. And he's averaging 10 points. You know, I mean, that, that's what 70 percent of your production coming right there yeah the problem is the two leading scorers for this team are shooting like a combined 39 percent in hood and mitchell yeah you can't win like that you can't no and they're they're both young it's just an it's an odd situation because you have a mix of hood and mitchell who are you know 25 and 21 respectively gobert's still young at 25 but then the rest of your core is kind of into their primes and yeah, i think gobert is probably in that category already too where you know favors has been around a while rubio's been around ingles is 20 all your wings are like cephalosha joe johnson types yeah 30 plus trebco's 30 alec burks is a very old 26 with his injuries um they're they're just kind of that a team that seems to kind of not really have a defined direction like do they want to be do they want to be a team where they just develop donovan mitchell this year i don't think so i think they thought they could maybe do both like be the eight seed yeah and also have Donovan Mitchell average fifteen a game, and i don't I don't know if you can do both of those
1: yeah, and I mean Derek favors has been inconsistent over this like mm-hmm. stretch as well um over the past six games. It's like fifteen points a game, nine and a half rebounds It's like the normal Derek favors stats, and like sure he put up like twenty four and twelve one game and twenty five and eleven the other game, but that's like bookended, but it's like there's then there's nine points and then there's six yep. points and then there's nine points, and so that's that's an interesting situation too, because I think a lot of people assumed like, well, you get you get Gobert off the court, and then Favors has all this time to work. Like, it's not that easy. It's not that easy, but I so I don't know. I don't even know if Derek like should they even keep Derek Favors long term? Do you think like, he
2: is one of those guys that I I have no idea if he's actually good. I don't. You know? I don't like, know I either. I Really don't know. He's he's never been an All Star, but. He's still considered, even at, even at this age, still considered a high upside type of asset. Yeah. I, I, I don't, really don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know I, either. I, think
2: that, I mean, this season is maybe going to prove that. Um, he's, he's 26. I didn't realize so he was wild. that young. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was super young coming out of college, but still. It seems like those Nets years were so long ago. Like, more than, more than he was there, what, five years ago?
1: Uh, well, he only played like a half season on the Nets. He got traded nice. midseason.
2: Oh, mid, midway through his rookie year, okay. Yeah,
1: uh, for who even? Uh, traded by the New Jersey Nets with Devin Harris, cash. Like Darren Williams deal, right? Uh, Yeah, and 2011 first-round pick, Enos Kanter was later selected. Sure. Uh, and a 2013 first-round pick, Gorgie Jang was later selected oh to the God. Utah Jazz for Darren Williams. <sighs>
2: Not a great deal for either side. That didn't no. work out for, <laughs> for either. I, I mean, I guess kind of for Utah, but not really because of that deal. No. Um, okay, let's talk about the Sixers real quick. Sure. We've already hit the 30-minute mark, so we're blowing right by that. Yeah. Um, Sixers win big at home last night. Have you seen the highlight of Embiid drawing that tech on Donovan Mitchell? That was really funny. That was incredible. And I, I there's there really just hasn't been a guy – A character like him in the NBA in a very long time a guy who can do those who can like get away with those antics because he's actually good like we've had players like him but it's always like an eighth man or a J.R. Smith or Swaggy P you know there's never like the superstar guy who can give you 45 and 10 and then also like be a complete clown
1: yeah, like it kind of reminds me of Shaq. But Shaq was yeah. Shaq was a clown. But he, on the court, he was like mean.
2: Yeah, me. it was he not, was, it was not a people. good-natured clown. Like. No,
1: it was it was very mean. Like there's those clips of him like pushing people. Up. Like that one guy threw the ball at him after he dunked. I was right, forget yeah. Who that was? Chris Dudley, I think. Uh, yeah, right. And so, but yeah, I mean the the Seventy Sixers are right now. They look like a playoff team, mm-hmm. although because I was I was looking through their their the games that they've won and lost, and they haven't they haven't really beat anyone amazing yet and they haven't really like they've they lost to they lost to Golden State, they lost to Toronto big, but those are the only two like huge losses. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of still hard to evaluate, but it's very obvious to me that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are incredible. And like yeah, the the pairing I, of those two could be like dynastic.
2: Yeah, I really I very, very much could be, and they they were an Eric Gordon last second buzzer beating three away from having two wins over Houston already. Yeah, so that's a um, good point. But yeah, I mean they've lost they've lost to the the three of the top four teams in the East already in Washington, Boston, and Toronto. That's not super encouraging. Um, but they're also a team that you know with that with the exception of that loss in Sacramento, doesn't really have any bad losses. You know they've they've yeah. taken care of Indiana, Atlanta, Dallas, um, you know the Clippers and the Lakers who are. Both kind of free falling, Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we can talk all day about Embiid, but Simmons is, I mean, we're we're honestly getting to the point where we're looking at one of the you know ten greatest rookie seasons of all time, if not higher.
1: Yeah, if you just if you didn't even like this is this is a great season in and of itself. Like he's Mm -hmm. not playing like a rookie, and people are like, well, he had the year off. I. I don't care that much. So, what? Like, I don't think of, that mattered. That. Yeah, I don't think that mattered that much. Um,
2: I think it helped. I mean, there's definitely helped. a part of it, but
1: I, you can't attribute like 19, yeah, that? nine, and eight with two steals as like, well, he took the year mm-hmm. off and practiced with like a bunch of a, against a bunch right. of NBA guys. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter that he can't shoot. Uh, it hasn't mattered yet that he can't shoot from beyond the arc. He can finish with both hands which is extremely deadly you can run picks on both sides it doesn't matter um defense has no which they don't know which way he's going they can't hedge him hard like he just gets to the rim um and i mean this is a this is a team that it it fits really well having a really good passer because aside from Embiid, and even Embiid's Mm -hmm. a great spot up shooter or had not as much this year last year but they have reddick they have covington um Jared Bayless can shoot threes really well. So they just kind of surround Simmons with a spot-up shooter, and an amazing center, and it's worked out really well.
2: Yeah, I looked up earlier this morning how many players, not rookies, have have averaged 18, 9, 7, and 2 steals over the course of an entire season, and there are two players ever, Fat Lever and Magic Johnson. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, two very unique type of players, and that's and that's really fitting, I think, that he fits in with those two. Um yeah, I mean he's been ridiculous, and it 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 is almost Giannis like to watch him because defenders are more than happy to let him shoot threes. He's 0 of seven from three on the year. Like lately, he hasn't. He's just completely abandoned that. Like he doesn't even. Yeah. It's not even in his mind to shoot those shots, and and yet he still finds a way. Like he has this weird package of floaters with either hand, swooping layups, almost skyhook like finishes. He he's unbelievable at jumping from what looks like too far out at the time and then just kind of like setting the ball in the rim you know yeah. from it's, it's almost like when you would watch those those Blake Griffin dunks where he would like <laughs> literally throw the ball in the rim not as violent obviously but right. his touch like in midair and with guys in his face is really 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 impressive and like you said he does it with both hands
1: yeah and you know you mentioned he's like youngest it's interesting too because we so we've gotten a lot of these like really elite just tall lanky ball handlers but not all of them play similar at all like Kevin Durant does not play like Ben Simmons Ben Simmons does not play like Giannis neither of these guys play like each other no and yeah like you like Simmons looks like a true point guard and he's smooth like a true point guard when he handles the ball he just happens to be 6'10 with yeah. uh I don't even know what his vertical is he's just an insane athlete Pretty good. um and so and especially this is this is helps too in an We're doing small ball era now. And so this is a six foot 10 guy who's going to the rim, and half the time he's going against guys his own height who are probably were like bad defensive position um, because of switches and Mm -hmm. and everything like that. So it's, uh, yeah, he's he's one of the most unique basketball players I've ever seen. And I hadn't watched him that much in college. So I kind of came in with like a pretty fresh perspective, Mm -hmm. and he is way more than I even thought he would be at this point.
2: Well, I think it's important to remember too, like people were. Very down on him as far as being a number one pick last year like the way that that LSU season ended he was kind of painted as this guy who was just you know basically using LSU as a way to get to the NBA because he had to he the day that they lost you know their last SEC game he just he left they didn't play in the postseason nobody had really heard from him until the draft and then of course he misses the whole rookie year so that kind of added on to that so I think any hype that he had generated over the first half of his season at LSU when he was having this incredible year the hype just kind of kept dissipating and dissipating and dissipating. And like people forgot like how crazy of a prospect he is. Like there were a lot of people come June, 2016 that thought Brandon Ingram should have gone number one. Yeah. And
1: I get, I still get that. Um, Ingram's having a pretty good year. Yeah. Ingram Um, has been much better. His, his potential still pretty high considering like his, his tools offensively and defensively. But yeah, I mean, Simmons is, is without a doubt, right now rookie of the year i there's no way anyone can catch him i don't oh, unless see a scenario he gets hurt,
2: there's a, it's not even yeah, unless, close.
1: unless he gets hurt or you know for some reason like forgets how to play basketball well um forgets how to make layups at the rim i i don't see any other way he's not rookie of the year
2: mm-hmm. is he an all-star this year
1: yeah i, I, I would so, say right? so i don't I, who
2: i don't know that he would start um I mean, LeBron is locked in as a starter. Giannis is locked in as a starter. Porzingis is probably locked in due to the fan vote aspect of it. Kyrie's locked in. And then that means there's one more guard spot left. I mean, it, honestly, it wouldn't
1: be that crazy. Like well, they, yeah, they do backcourt and frontcourt now. So you can actually, they they can probably figure out a way to get him in.
2: I think he'd have to be backcourt, which it would probably help him in this scenario because the three guys I mentioned, Porzingis, LeBron, and Giannis, That's are true. locked in in the front. So then it's basically, is it Simmons? Is it Wall? Is it DeRozan? to start Um, yeah
1: for that last starting spot um i think they would still do wall and DeRozan. i don't i don't know if he's a starter but i can't imagine if he keeps playing like this i don't know how you don't vote him an all-star there's just not
2: one there's just not enough good guards in the east you know that's true to to like knock him out it's like the the guy someone that would have to knock him out would be like you're putting in kemba who's on a seven and nine team or you're putting in I don't even know. Oladipo could very well be that's an All-Star. That's actually, that's very
1: true. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it for the 76ers is if they, I mean, if you're trying to decide between like Kemba Walker or Ben Simmons or even Victor Oladipo, it's like, well, who else, is, I mean, which one of these teams is winning games? Yeah. And if the 76ers are the team that's winning games, and that always, that shouldn't necessarily always be a, you know, a, um, something to consider for mm-hmm. all star games, but it's, it's really hard not to to imagine him being an all star with the way yeah. he's playing I so think, on defense too because right. he's two two point seven combined steals and blocks he's almost getting That's a block insane. per game in addition to his two steals
2: yeah and I mean the thing with him too is there's so much room for improvement like like we said i mean the perimeter shooting is its own issue, but he's only a fifty eight percent shooter at the line i mean he's getting there at a decent rate, about five attempts per game that could probably come up, and you know he's leaving probably one and a half points per game on the table right now. And that's when he's only attempting five a game. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty tantalizing to kind of fast forward in your mind three or four years where both he and Embiid who's in my Embiid's been as good, if not better than I expected, he's been healthier than I expected. Right. If this continues, I mean, like what was the word you used? Dynastic. Dynastic. Yeah. I mean, very, very possibly. Uh, All right. We don't have a ton of time left. Which, which of these remaining topics do you want to get to? Um, I, I would like
1: to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie a little bit. Okay, I don't understand if he's – this is another one of those, is he really good or not? Like it, Almost like that Derek Favors thing we were talking about earlier. The The, the Nets play so those are those fast. Those 2 you're always going back those and, two, and forth. Times. I know. Who would I rather Dinwiddie have, Favors. Spencer Dinwiddie or Derek Favors? Um, <laughs> but, no, I mean, the Nets play so fast that – like I mean, there's – there's no doubt to me that his numbers are inflated like compared to the rest of the league, but he's still not turning the ball over. Um, efficiency wise, he's been good. Yeah. And he, he's shown a lot of like, to me, it's almost like this. It's like the Reggie Jackson ish Smith scenario in Detroit where clearly Reggie Jackson has way, like way more potential to be a better player like D'Angelo Russell does on the nets. But uh there's still this point guard who's backing them up who's just racks up a bunch of assists just doesn't really turn the ball over plays really well um and he's i mean he's also scoring well too like i he doesn't even shoot that well from the field he's just making a bunch of threes like it's it's very strange to me how these guys just kind of like they just pop up and they play like all-star point guards all of a sudden
2: well i know you're not a huge college guy but like dinwiddie was firmly a lottery pick before he tore his acl Okay, so there is that, that aspect of it. Like he was, you know, he would he was going to be. I shouldn't. Okay, maybe not firmly a lottery pick, but I for sure probably in the anywhere from ten to like twenty. So it's not like this guy was a complete no name. Like right. he was, he was viewed as this very interesting, like extremely good passer who could also shoot it in a six six. Kind of a, a like the comp at the time was Carter Williams because back then Carter Williams was still like a respected person um <laughs> right. so he was kind of viewed as like this do-it-all 6-6 six, six guy future type of point guard and then he tore his acl and it took him longer than anybody thought to get back and i think now we're finally seeing like what people thought he would be at age 20 you know it just took him a while with the knee
1: yeah that's strange how that can happen mm-hmm. i guess we could uh, i guess on the topic of guards oladipo too oladipo had seven steals two blocks like he had one of the it was some stat line i'd that hasn't happened in 30 years, like since Olajuwon did it. It was so rare. Um, if you're into those, like we're gonna pick these random stats. How long I am very into those. By okay. the way,
2: I, I tweet those out quite a bit over the years, and like I, people are always like, "Oh, these are cherry picked." And of course, yeah, they totally are. I'm not saying they're not, but it's interesting, like especially when you get a comp like that, a shooting guard compared to Olajuwon.
1: Yeah, it helps you get a feel for like just other historical like marks. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but he so he put up 29 points. Nine rebounds, seven steals, five assists, two blocks, and only one turnover. Um Six and third. five he, fouls, too. Five, <laughs> five, five He's playing hard out Use there. Them, yeah. Um but he's still he I mean he's he hasn't slowed down this year. Like he had a stretch of like three or four games. I think maybe when Miles Turner came back that he was like kind of adjusting still. But since he get since he after that, he's he's been doing the same thing. He's he's been he started off the year doing um, like twenty-three points a game, four assists, five rebounds, two steals, forty-six percent from the field. He's still the sh- he's still shooting forty-five percent from three, which is going to come down. But I there mean, there are a lot of guys. It seems like
2: this year that are having those type of shooting seasons, like yeah, to begin I don't the know. year, like more than normal. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a, I don't. I, have I no think idea. the league might just be getting like better overall as right. players like practice this more. But still, I mean, guys like this who are you know up we're getting into the point where it's it's not just a four-game sample you know it's like we're almost 20 games into the year and and there's something to be said for that
1: there is and um
2: you know i
1: i think um him and sabonis have still been playing well sabonis they they can't i mean he played so well they couldn't they can't they couldn't bench him like he's Mm -hmm. playing 24 minutes a game still he's been really consistent um so i mean pacers made out actually pretty well um, in this trade assuming everyone keeps playing near the rate that they're playing now
2: well especially when you look at what other players near the caliber of Paul George were traded for right you know I mean it's like and at the time it's not like anybody was praising Indiana for what they got back but the return yeah the returns of especially Oladipo I mean you want to talk just pure numbers like he's been an objectively better player than like Damian Lillard those type of guys you know and that's which would have seemed crazy before the year like he's been probably better than DeRozan like way better than Kyle Lowry and, and like we said, like he's a virtual lock to be an all-star this year. If he keeps playing like this, it's hard not to. Yeah, it's hard not. one it's like even if game. even if he tails off, he has enough of a sample that his numbers are still going to look really good by the time we get to you know late January when voting closes.
1: Yeah, um, it just I think a lot of that comes down to how people how strongly people put stock into defensive numbers. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of what this comes down to because obviously like Lillard, and all those guys like kemba even like have name recognition um but victor oladipo is you know a top defensive player and has been for a while um or at least you know um bothers people on defense gets a lot of steals Mm -hmm. um yeah things are things are a little odd this season
3: but a lot of teams are.
1: are still regressing pacers are regressing magic are regressing so it's not not as crazy as uh the year started
2: No, no, it hasn't. I think, yeah, exactly. Orlando was the team to me that I just could not. There was nothing in me that (laughs) could make me believe that they were actually going to sustainably be, like, a top six team in the East. Indiana, you know, you could kind of see it, I guess. I mean, I yeah, just because of the relative lack of talent there. I mean, like, Kyle Lowry's having a terrible start to the year. Washington has no bench, like you said. Detroit's playing out of its mind. You know, like, Milwaukee doesn't look good. Like, somebody has to finish fifth. Right. And right now that team is, you know, the Cavs. But right below them is the Knicks. And it's like, I don't, I don't buy that the Knicks are the sixth best team in the East. But then right below them, you have the Pacers and the Bucks, And those teams aren't really good either.
1: Yeah. Um, the Knicks, yeah, the Knicks and the, the Bucks I mean, are interesting. I mean, the, the Knicks, it's like, how far can Prazingis really carry them? Ingus Cantor has been playing well, too. Getting a lot of strong. Tim Hardaway Jr. after a really slow start has been playing, like, well. Slowest of all the starts. Slowest of all the starts has been playing really well. Uh, Courtney Lee's been doing what he does. Um, Neil Aquino looks good, but the I don't I don't know what's going on like I watch like you and I both watch a lot of bucks games I don't know if it's a Jason Kidd thing
2: at Well this Kidd point. wasn't there last night, so we can't blame him <laughs> But that yeah, these last two especially Have been pretty rough offensively for Milwaukee.
1: Someone compared him to I should I should look I should look at the person's name. on give them credit. compared him to being the Mark Jackson oh, yeah. of the Warriors um we're
2: hearing that more and more lately which I think is is interesting
1: yeah I don't know I, I just don't know if like his coaching scheme like his sets are right for like the amount of talent on
2: the team like maybe that's fine for a developing team but I think once you have I are, is it fair to say we might be overrating or some people are overrating the amount of talent on this team though I think a little bit but like if, who who is like drastically underperforming right now in this offense uh Milton's picked it up a little bit yeah since the slow start um i don't i mean do people think thon maker's being misused are people like disappointed with how della vadova and well by the way Toledovich is out for a month that that just got announced oh wow uh, speaking of the bucks okay so i don't know i
1: i think maybe we're we're over like maybe we're overestimating it a little bit but it feels like the pieces fit and I don't. I don't know. Like Jabari's obviously a huge, like the biggest, a huge question right. mark. Like Jabari's aver- was averaging twenty points a game, mm-hmm. doing it efficiently. So I suppose like the jury's kind of still out on this team. Like really, until Jabari comes yeah. back, and who even knows? If, the interesting thing is who even knows if he's on the team next season, depending on what kind of offer um, gets thrown out to him. Because mm-hmm. the Bucks were perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah, very,
2: very interesting underlying storyline with the future of that team is is Jabari. I, I guess. To close on this, like it is, I wouldn't say this team, in my opinion, and certainly a lot of people disagree, I don't think they've necessarily underachieved. They changed literally nothing from last year's roster other than like end-of-the-bench guys, Beasley. Um, you know, I, he's not an end-of-the-bench guy, I guess. But Obviously, the Bledsoe deal changes that, but I don't know what they expected. Like, why did they expect to make this huge leap? Was it just because Giannis was going to get that much better? If so, I think that's a little bit misguided. I Yeah, I think it was just the – like, everyone
1: on the team was young and theoretically would get better. Like, right. Youngest would get – Youngest, Brogdon, Milt – like, everyone assumed, like, all these sure. guys would get, you know, like, a little bit better, and then that would combine into maybe, like, five or ten – and I don't know, ten more wins. Like, five more wins. Okay. Um, I think that was kind of the reasoning. But a lot of – I mean, I think people kind of expect players to develop, like, linearly when really – it's right it's a process
2: and i think it can be frustrating too to see teams like not so much lately but you know memphis got off to that hot start and you're it's like james ennis dylan brooks Jarrell martin are playing these minutes and it's like people are looking at that team and it's like man if we had a coach like that yeah you know, <laughs> good so yeah i think there are teams like the spurs and the grizzlies that make it look unrealistic for everybody else that's true all right uh we should wrap this up what are you doing for thanksgiving
1: uh just my my grandparents host i'm um, nice. just gonna eat a lot of food sure. um just listen to them banter with one okay. another how about you
2: uh, i'm going home to the green bay area where where is your family from
1: uh i grew up in waukesha county okay uh, my grandparents live in pewaukee so i'll Got be going you. to which it's is not really too like far, 40 minute drive nice. from madison yeah
2: no my my family is going to iowa which is where my my dad's side is from it's okay. like a seven hour drive so i, I will be sitting that out Uh, (laughs) got to got to work this weekend. So, you know, couldn't, couldn't make the trip. I basically, at this point in my life, I think my, my parents give me the, the deal where I can do Thanksgiving or Christmas. Can't skip both, but every year I have to have to make the call. So you can
1: Skype into Thanksgiving. Yes,
2: that's, well, that's exactly it. And I have like little cousins that absolutely love doing that. So I'm sure (laughs) probably like four times on Thursday afternoon as I'm trying to enjoy a quiet Thanksgiving to myself, I'll be be talking to a bunch of cousins but looking forward to it you and i'll be back on tuesday i don't think there's going to be any podcasts the rest of the week uh james and i are off thursday and dj's in what thailand so i, I didn't know that yeah that's where he's been i guess okay so he will not travel he does travel a lot i think he's been to like 49 states actually that's cr- so I've been to like six so yeah, <laughs> yeah i've been like over under like four and a half yeah so we'll be back next week